And he died, and he ascended, and he told his disciples, greater works right. you're going to do. You're gonna, in other words, you're going to do a lot more than I'd had in three years. You guys are going to keep doing a lot more. And he passed the mantle to the church, right? And we're Elisha's. Institutionally, we're the Elisha's to our great Elijah, the Lord Jesus Christ, carrying on what he done and had done and, and trying giving preaching life and preaching recovery to people, his message of the gospel. So we're, we're kind of symbolic of Elisha's in some ways. And um, Elisha's have... Uh, have men, uh, people he's discipled. These are sons of the prophets here. They're being discipled in a way. They're being trained to continue on that type of work and preaching and prophesying. And I like this story. This is going to be a good, good little story. So let's just read the verses here. And then we're going to look at some points and come to one main thought here. Second Kings. <clears throat> Second Kings 6. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. It means it's too tight, too small. Let us go, we pray, the end of Jordan. And take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them and When they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried, Alas! He cried and said, Alas, Master! For it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Wow. Therefore he said, therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. It's a simple little story. You're like, okay, that's cool. What's next? Ah, not so fast. This is good stuff in here. All right. Have you anybody ever lost anything in the lake? In a lake? Or an ocean? Well, maybe mention it. Anybody want to say something? What'd you lose? A shoe. Probably one of the Arizona lakes, muddy down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have lost, you know, wedding rings on a beach. And miracles, somebody discovered that, you know, occasionally that happens. May ever lost something else in a, the ocean or a lake? Calder, you have? Okay. Oh, good. At least it wasn't where the alligators were. <laughs> you know, there was a girl who used to be in our youth group. Uh, there a few, a few girls, and then there, I think, I don't know if they're, yeah, maybe their brother, too. And we took them to camp, and, and their dad, had, the one girl, her dad had given her a, a purity ring. And uh, went to camp, and uh, this was when camp was in Flagstaff. And we played, there. the girls were playing, I think the guys were playing flag football. And the girls are watching, being our cheerleaders, you know. Probably Adam was playing at the time, maybe Miss Sonia. I think they may have been teens. I can't remember at the time. May have been in college. But the girl that lost the purity ring was there. And it's, it's messy out there playing camp 
on a camp football field. Football field. He might as well be on the surface of the moon with extra rocks, you know. And it was messy. But anyway, she was sitting there, and she had a, I don't know what she was doing, fumble or not. She lost her purity ring. And everybody's like, oh, oh. They're all looking around. We couldn't find it, couldn't find it. She's all crying. And, but one of the persons says, but hey, at least you haven't lost your purity. Yeah. You know, that's one, one of the, I don't know if the girls or something, one of her friends said that. She's like, yeah, that's what's important, you know. Sometimes you lose things um, like that. Now, I mean, so let's talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and get to kind of, where we're going with it a little bit, and we'll complete the thought at the end. You know, God's given us things in life, and sometimes we lose them. Maybe not a physical thing, but He's given us heart. He's given us talent. He's given us church. He's given us opportunities, and sometimes we lose it, and it sinks, and we need it back. We need zeal back. We need love back. We need um, reemploy our spiritual gifts back, and we need to have him help us bring it back to surface. That's kind of the direction we're going. Let's look at some points. Go ahead and go, Grant, to the next. Hit our first point. Number one, I want you to notice as we move along in the text here, these are just observations as we work toward the main point. Number one, Grant, let's see what it is. Let's notice the expanding young men. We're going to notice expanding young men. And I don't mean like this. They're getting fat. All right? I don't mean that. An expanding group of young men. They're growing. Look at verse one. This is really cool stuff. The sons of the prophets said unto Elisha. Now, sons doesn't mean it's his biological kids. It's a group. It's it's term. It's a, it's like spiritual sons. These are the disciples. This is like seminary Bible college students type thing. The sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, the teacher, the the president of the college. Hey, behold! Now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Straight does not mean like just merely. Uh, without curbs, it means, oh, this is tight. You know what they're saying? They're saying, our, 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 um, our chapel's too small. We packed it out. Did you know, if you look at a few chapters earlier, there was at least a hundred of them already. There was at least, it mentions about multiplying uh, some food that was given. There was at least a hundred. So they may have been growing. And that's a compliment to Elisha. Growing group of prophets. And they said, you know, our building's too small. Our facilities are too small. Here we are in a, a facility that's supposed to have 50 and we're 100. It's too straight. It's too tight. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of Benjamin over here and always elbowing me when I'm trying to open up my scroll and he's opening up his and we're elbowing each other. Besides, he stinks. He doesn't put on his deodorant. We need a little more space, you know. I don't know what, you know, do you know what I mean? They needed space, though. And it's stuffy in there. And the other guy's always falling asleep because it's just too stuffy. We need, so he says... Is just, Elisha, our facilities are too small. I like this. Let's just thought, think about that for a minute. It's good when you're growing out of facilities. We, we've kind of went like this, and then we're going like this. I hope we go like this again. I want to grow out of facilities. I really do. The place we were at is too straight. It's too small. Expanding young men. Not expanding this way, but expanding in, their, in how many disciples and pupils are there. Number two. Number two. Let's notice they're enterprising young men. This is what I really like because it comes on the heels of this. They're enterprising. That is, they're energetic. They want to build something. Look what they say in verse 2. I wish every young man was like this. I know you have it in you to be this way. They said it's too small, verse 1, but let's do this. Let us go 
We pray thee under Jordan and let us take every man a beam. Then let us make us a place there that we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. What is he doing? One of these guys, one of these sons of the prophets goes up to Elisha and he's asking him, which is good. He says, it's too small. Let's, can you just let us go? We're going to go down to Jordan. Apparently there, there was a grove of trees or some good trees. And we want to cut down some trees and we're going to make a bigger place. I like that. He's not saying, hey, Elisha, can you go do it? They're not saying, Elisha, can you call up a contractor and help build something for us? How much is it going to cost? They said, can, we, can you let us go do this? We want to build something. I like that. Rusty's going to be building some things on his property, you know. West Branch, actually, West Branch, it's really cool about West Branch. So when they were in Flagstaff, they had bought the, the property in Williams. And Harry Lippert was kind of their building guy at the time. And he, he built a lot of their, the guys, um, the cabins. And I remember, you know how when you're coming to camp, guys, and you're going down that road, and it's kind of a bumpy road, and you see, like, different businesses on the side, and then you go to cross the railroad tracks? Before you cross the railroad tracks, there's actually a sawmill. And Harry Lippert had taken a bunch of trees. They started cutting trees on that property at West Branch. They cut the trees, and they milled the wood right there. And it was, it was like they're making their own stuff right there on site. And they just, of course, bring it across the railroad tracks and build it. And so they were building their own stuff. But I like the fact that here, young men, we, they see a problem. This is what I like. They don't just see a problem and say, this is too small. They say, this is too small. Can you let us fix it? We want to fix it. Can we build something bigger? We want to build something bigger. I, wanna, I want to fan the flames of uh, industrial energy in guys, boys here. If you have energy, you want to build something, do something, we want to steer that. Uh, you, might, you might be kind of off in the wrong spot, but I don't want to criticize your energy. I want to put you in the right spot, you know. Come over here and bring that energy over here and build something, fix something at your house or uh, help something at church. And we've got Tristan doing some extra things recently, and that's good for him. But these enterprising young men and, and uh, energetic, and so let's build some. So they got to build. And, and so look what it says. They're also, go to the next, number three, number three, they're entreating. Number three, they're entreating. I like this too. This is great. This right here is just a message in and of itself about some good qualities about energetic young men. They, they see a problem. Uh, they're growing. They see a problem. They want to do something about it, but they entreat. That is, they ask. They get some advice. Look what it says in verse 3. They, they, he says, let us go. We pray the end of Jordan. He's asking about that. And then verse 3 that says, one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. They're actually praying. I shouldn't say praying. They're actually asking Elisha two things in their energy, in their interest to go build something. They first say, Elisha, can we go build something? Is that okay? We want to build something. They're entreating him. It's wise to get advice for all of your energy. You know, it's wise to, if you have energy and you want to go, it's wise to get advice to help you aim your energy. I want to build a business. Just go at it. No, no, have somebody help aim you. You know, I want to start a church. Don't just go at it. Have somebody help aim you. Entreat them. He's getting Elisha's advice. They're entreating him. Can we go build? Yes. And so Elisha said, go build. You guys, all right, guys, go, go ahead. Go ahead, go. Maybe Elisha thought, man, I finally get a little peace and quiet. I remember one time, Brother Getch, John Getch Sr., who's been here as an evangelist, 
He is immersed in college students for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, 25 years, immersed in college students. And he's a very quiet personality anyways. He's almost like he doesn't like being social. But you wouldn't know it because when he's around him, he actually is nice to him. But he enjoys not being <laughs> when he can. And I remember one time he preached at a men's um, conference in Williams, and I, I, I remember being up there, and, and it was like the evening, and, and everybody was kind of in their fellowship. And he was a little bit, probably a little bit late getting there. I saw him walking down the, the sidewalk and said, hey, brother, good, good to see you. He's like, yeah, good to be here. And he said, um, I said, uh, are, are you doing well? He goes, yeah, I'm doing great. I, he goes, I, I, I got away from a bunch of people. <laughs> Something like that. He just needed a little break, you know. I know he loves the students. He's very, and he is personal once you deal with them. I think many of you know that. But he needed a little break. Maybe Elisha was like, go ahead, guys. Go ahead. Get a little break here. I'll come visit you. I don't know if he was like that, but here's what happened. They said, can we go? We want to go. He says, yes. And then, the, then one of them, as their group is going, one of them said, hey, wait a minute. Look at verse 3. Hey, wait a minute. One said, verse 3, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. Can you just be satisfied going with us? We want you with us. Now, listen, this is great. This is perfect. You know what these young guys are saying? Well, let's say what they're not saying. They're not saying, hey, can you come help us build, do some of the work? It's too much. I need some help. They, they're not really saying that. They're saying, can you just come be with us? What do you think that means? It means they need a brain. An extra brain there, some extra eyes there. That is wise of young people or young men or sons of the prophets. You're wise when you realize you're not wise enough, right? Can you come be here and just kind of watch what we're doing? And we're not asking you to do it all. We just want you to be there. Maybe you can give us some advice and we want to um, get some ideas off of you as we're building. I like that. They are entreating young men, which is wise. Number four, let's move along. What you have here is an expensive loss takes place. Number four, an expensive loss. Let's look at verse four and five. So they went with them, verse four. Elisha went with the whole Bible college there to start building, chopping wood. He went with them, verse four, and when they came to Jordan, they cut wood. They cut down wood. Now I'll stop a second. How many of you like swinging an axe? Sharp one. All right, all right. How many of you like working a chainsaw? Anybody do chainsaws? I like chainsaws. Yeah? All right, cool. I mean, there's something about guys. You get an axe, heavy head at the, at the end, and it's sharp, and you see a tree, you're like, I just... In fact, you got to be careful. If you have, like, teenagers, and you as a parent have an axe at home, it's like they say, everybody with a hammer, what are they looking for? A nail. A guy with an axe, you know what he's looking for? Oh, and I cut something down. I just want to destroy something and cut it down. You know, and that's what it's like. You just, I remember I was going camping with my parents uh, when I was like six, seven, eight years old. It was down by Workman's Creek, actually. And uh, it was like that. I mean, I just wanted to, ha Dad had a little axe for just splitting wood for the fire. And I was just like, I've got to cut something down. And it took me probably an hour to cut down a tree this small, you know, you know. And it was probably illegal, too. But uh, I don't know. But I wanted to do that. So these guys are like, let's go chopping. And they're chopping. And they're going away. And as they're going away, this guy right here is really swinging. Right here. He's really swinging. And the Bible says, verse 5, 
But as one was felling a beam, the felling means as he's working on his topping trees, the axe had fell into the water. Wow. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. The axe head fell into the water. So something valuable. So this is iron. Now for us getting iron, um, it's maybe it's easier for us to get iron nowadays. Right? Uh, it's a little more expensive if the iron has been forged into something useful, like an axe head. How much more, whatever this was, I don't know, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years how much more with them where it's not easy to get iron, to mine into the mountain, bring out the ore, crush it, whatever the process is of refining it, and then mold it and shape it and sharpen it. That's a big deal to do all of that. Did you know, I think it was in David and Saul's day, it was hard to find a file at one point. They had to borrow a file to sharpen for a whole country. So, so metal things were not easily obtained then. So this was expensive. So he had this axe. A couple other ones had axes. And um, it fell into the water. So this is something expensive. You know, God's given us things that are valuable. He's given you a talent, an ability. He's given you and I relationships. Those are valuable. We have each other. It's valuable having a church, a local church. Some people in the world don't have a local church. There's believers that are more isolated than we think. We're in a metro area. The downside to being in a metro area, people can easily church shop. Oh, I don't like that restaurant. I'm going to go to the next. I don't like that church. I'm going to go to the next. And they just hop around. But there's certain places in the United States and the world, it's like it's not that convenient to just shop around. And so a church is valuable. A church is a blessing. A church is something of the Lord. And so is our talents and so is our relationship. And they're precious. So let's go to the next thing. Number five. Oh, there it is. Exclamatory concern. If you notice here, what does this mean? Uh, if I, oh, I just shocked it. Click it back here, Grant. All right. Why did I put this here? Exclamatory concern. My students, what kind of sentence is this? Exclamatory sentence. All right. What's the one with the, uh, the question mark at the end? Thank you. All right. All right. So we're awake here. All right. Just because you're on fall break doesn't mean some of you turn it off. All right. So it's an exclamatory concern. Another reason why we call it exclamatory concern, because look at what he does, and it has an exclamation point by it. The head, the axe head fell into the water, verse 5, and he cried and said, alas, master! Exclamation point. There you go. All right. For it was borrowed. Alas, master! Alas is an old way of saying, whoa, no! Whoa! Dude! Master! Boss! Uh-oh. Do you ever hear that in the house, parents? You hear, uh-oh. Usually the one that says, uh-oh, is the one that, or the brother that's watching. The one that has the break is like, uh-oh. <laughs> so here we go. Now, this is good, though. Think, let's think about this. He loses this, and it's a good thing. Here's the point. It's a good thing he's concerned. Alas, master, for it was borrowed. I want to stay on this point just for a minute or so. He's concerned because what he had was precious and it was hard to find. What we have from the Lord that he lets us borrow is precious, hard to find. What he has is, as we just said, it's, it's borrowed on loan. Um, he, it was borrowed. He, he didn't own this. Alas, Master, the next statement. Why did he say that? For it was borrowed. 
he didn't have it. Some, it's interesting how some people treat things that are borrowed. In this case, he was very careful because this wasn't even mine. If it was his own and he fell in the water, he might be like, oh, man. But he was much louder about it because what? Now think about this. Stop a second. He's chopping. Boom. Boom. And I don't know if this is his fault. I don't know if he's not paying attention to the, the wedge that keeps it in place. Boom. And it flies out. Oh, no. That was borrowed. You don't do an insurance claim on that. What does that mean if it was borrowed and he doesn't find it? What does that mean? He's got an empty axe handle, right? You ain't getting anywhere with that. But what else does it mean? What's going to happen the next day or so? Huh? Pay it back, yeah. Here's the thing. What's that? And some, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you pay back a little extra. Here, how about this? He's got to show up face-to-face to that guy that he borrowed it from, say, I borrowed it, but I lost it. You know, that's, that's us. We're going to show up face-to-face to the Lord who's loaned us talent, who's loaned us opportunity. What, in fact, what do we have that isn't borrowed? What has Sal that thou didst not receive? Everything I have. My wife is a blessing from God. My kids are given to me from the Lord. Opportunity to serve here at the church. Some spiritual gifts, all of us. All that God's endowed me with these things and you so if I let it sink or I don't if I neglect it or I even my own heart if I just let things sink down I'm going to stand and face the Lord one day for all the things he's set before me the tools he's given me so if I'm not using something or if I'm not really applying my Christianity I got to remember I'm not using borrowed things. I'm neglecting it. It might as well have sunk. He'll have to face the owner. We'll have to face the Lord one day. And it, and it could be good if you're a good steward. Number six, let's go on to a few more points here. An exploratory question. This is not deep. Uh, this is very practical. He says, verse five, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. Now, this is deep, right? This is, this is deep logic. So this guy comes running up to Elisha. Comes running up to Elisha. Oh, I lost it. Elisha, Elisha. I lost the axe head. It came flying off and went into the water. It was borrowed. Oh. So Elisha asked this really deep question. Where did you last see it? How's that for deep? Didn't your, your, your mom say that to you, right? You lost your math book. You lost your math book? Well, where was it last? Whoa, that's deep. Well, sometimes you neglect that, right? So he, where was it last? So they went to the area. And again, it must be in such a way where this was perhaps very rocky or very deep. To where it, was, it must have been in such a scenario where the guy couldn't just jump in and instantly quickly find it. Um, sometimes in rivers that are moving fast, it's hard to even see things. So I don't know the scenario. Maybe it was muddy. I mean, Jordan's muddy in some areas. So um, think about yourself. Like, I don't, it's kind of like this. I don't have, um, 
Whatever, what has died or what has sunk in my life? Well, go back to the last time you had it. What, what did you stop doing? Where did you leave off on? You know, like, I, don't, I don't witness to somebody anymore. Well, go back to that spot where you stopped. You know, where did I stop? I stopped when I stopped caring about somebody. I stopped when I stopped praying. I stopped when I stopped reading my Bible. Well, then let's start back where you left off. And that's kind of a thought here with, with Elisha to this man. Number seven, here's an extraordinary miracle. So go, where, where was it? Where was it? All right, let's go to the place where it went. Verse 6, we'll move along here. Notice, the man of God said, where fell it? He showed him the place. Verse 6, look what it says. He cut down a stick and cast it in thither. Whoa, okay. And the iron did swim. Oh, that's weird. So he goes to a tree, cuts down and casts a stick and just goes. I mean, Elisha just, you know what's weird? It's not weird because I think there's a point to it in a way. Elisha has done stuff like this before. When there was poisoned water in a city, he's like, uh, bring me some salt. And there was a bunch of this, this spring. He just put salt there. and No, oh, it's better now. And it wasn't that that literally did it. It was a miracle still. And same thing here. It wasn't like there's some Harry Potter magic trick here. You know, just throw the stick down. It's just a stick and the iron did swim. I guess the only thing I can take away is this. In real life, God uses, like Adam taught some of this stuff, unusual things, simple things to do something special. A stick! Throw the stick down. Throw a stick down. Sometimes I'm just a, I'm just a stick. You know, God has chosen, what does it say, 1 Corinthians 1? God's chosen the foolish things of the world, things that are base, things that are nothing, to confound the wise, that no flesh of glory in His presence. God chose a, a teenager to wipe out a giant. God chose a, a trumpet and pitchers to signify a victory over these Amalekites. God chose a little stick thrown on the water to bring back this iron and let it swim. Extraordinary miracle. God uses unlikely things. So if you're unlikely, then you qualify. Number eight, last main point. There's essential teamwork here. Go ahead, Grant. There's essential involvement or teamwork. It's a very simple thought. So verse 6 says, The Aaron swam. Whoa. And he said, Take it up to thee. And he put it in his hand and took it. Now you imagine this. Here's the, here's the river over there. <coughs> he throws the stick out. Plop. And then the iron goes like this and swims. Ooh, maybe it was wiggling or something. And, and then Elisha had to say, go grab it. <laughs> Maybe he was just like, oh, whoa. And Elisha's like, hey, go grab it. Oh, oh, okay, okay. You know, here's a thought here. He had to do his part. Okay, well, God did, all right, let me, let me grab that which God uniquely did and bring it to me. God, here's the thing, God does only what He can do. Then He purposely leaves to us to do what we can do. Right? There's a lot of things that we can't do, but there's a lot of things we can do. I can't honestly, truly make somebody born again. I can't. I'm reading enough in the Scripture to realize there's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that just moves in a person 
and it brings it to pass. Now, God gives people already naturally the ability to have faith, but there's still, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit has to work in that person. But what can I do? Just keep giving the gospel. I, I can't, there's a lot of things for our, our church I can't do, but there's some things I can. And then wait on God to do other. So this guy, all right, God did his part. I'm going to do my part and embrace the miracle that God took, and he put it back and got chopping. He had to go to that place and reach out. We need to go to that place where maybe things last died and reach out to God. So here's the main, main point. Go ahead, Grant, right here. As we look at the big picture, we can see God can cause fallen things to swim again. That's kind of the idea. God can cause fallen things. I mean, why is this in here? Why is this in here? These are exciting stories. I mean, if I was an Israeli in his day and I saw this, I'd be like, this is great. Elisha was a real prophet. God cared about the prayers of these young men. That's great. But you, could, you would have to take away that, wait a minute, a lot of things are just you lose and don't seem like you can recover them. God is a God of recovery. God is a God of taking... I mean, iron does not swim. To float on it, to come back up on its own. God causes fallen things to swim again. Let's ask ourselves a question. Is there fallen things? A fallen love? A fallen talent? Did I, did, has my service sunk? A relationship? My heart for the Lord? Even our church, sometimes we've sunk in our attendance. My God caused it to swim again. I mean, I'm going through all this in Kings. I'm like, God, make this real for us. Make this real for me. Make this real for us. And make this real here for you and I today. Go to the last spot for yourself where something has fallen. Pray and reach out. God, say, let's pray to God tonight, the God who causes fallen things to swim again. Let's pray to Him.